And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome to Rates and Barrels, presented by Tops. Check out Tops Project 70, celebrating 70 years of Tops baseball cards. And this is your host, Eno Saris. We do not have Derek Van Riper today, but we have an awesome, uh, ho- an awesome uh, collection of talent here with Michael Ajeto from Lookout Landing and Janice Scuro from NBC Sports Edge uh, and also Southside Sox. So we are going to talk today a little bit about the Mariners and uh, the White Sox, but I'm sure we'll get into uh, some regular baseball stuff. Um, and I, I think that uh, I think that to start, we just had the deadline. We could kind of juxtapose the two uh, deadlines that these two teams had. They're kind of uh, kind of different teams, and but I'm gonna have to go to you, uh, Michael, because um, I just think there was there was so much. Uh, talk and uh there was so much like rancor about the mariners um deadline but my question for you is like don't you think that the uh, mariners got better for this year uh after that deadline even though like maybe you know sending ken legraman out uh, as the first move uh kind of made it seem like they were selling uh i mean they seem better right like diego castillo is pretty awesome even at 96 instead of 97 i don't know yeah, I um I never really doubted it once once we saw Graveman go. Um I was really hyped to get Toro because actually you're the one that put me on to him as mm-hmm. a peripheral prospect or, or uh, prospect of the week, I think in 2019 or th- 2020. So I've been on him for a while now, and I mean I was surprised that that was the return, but I knew that Depoto wasn't going to just send out Graveman and just be done with it. Um, <laughs> yeah, he is, he's Depoto, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Like, and like a lot of the reports were coming out and saying, you know, like uh, the Mariners are talking to this team about this player. And so I, I thought that we would do something a little splashier, but like, you know, in the end to go from Graveman to Castillo, which I think at best, I think that's an improvement at worst. I think, you know, it's, it's a pretty, um, you know, uh, lateral move. Right. Uh, but then to also address some some starting pitching and um, uh, also, you know, get a bat, um, I think that's pretty huge. So just along with kind of the uh, within team uh, things that are happening, like Jared Kelnick, you know, with his uh, swing change, I think that they're a much better team uh, coming out than when they entered. It's just, uh, uh, it's definitely a bummer that we didn't come out with like Chris Bryant or something. <laughs> yeah. But <laughs> uh, I mean, I guess there's some realism with just about how uh, the the projections had you guys is how likely of making the postseason, and also uh, just the difference difference between being like a division leader um, and, and being in it for the wild card. I guess. Um, 
you know, one thing that that uh, strikes me as interesting, and I don't know if you guys have like total uh, spin rate, uh, like you're just like totally tired of talking about spin rates, but Graven was a guy uh, whose spin rates declined. Um, and then you have Castillo, whose velocity has declined this year uh, compared to the last one. So I think it's just interesting to have those guys um, kind of one going one way and the other going the other way. Uh, how angry would should they be in Tampa? I mean, they're like in it for the division and they just traded away their closer. Uh, but I guess in Tampa, everyone just expects it. Should, should Jerry have like gone to the players and explained this before he did it? Or was there anything they could have done? Because the players were pissed. Yeah, it's, oh man, that was a pretty, uh, bombshell <laughs> of, uh, an article at the times. Um, I mean, I don't really know how you go about it because if you go to Graveman and you say, Hey man, like, um, I just want to be upfront. Like, I think, you know, a lot of teams are asking about you. Um, and we just want to be open. Like there's a chance that you get traded. Uh, first of all, like, I think you want to balance his mental health and how he's pitching because, I mean, that's a, a big thing to, you know, be weighing on you. Um, but also, like, uh, I think you need to, I don't know. It's essentially, you need to strike a balance between telling the player um, and also, I guess, like, not uh, seeing what happens there. So um, I think that they, they should have been right, kind because of... because if you tell them too early, like, then right. all the rumors get out and stuff, right? And And you don't want the player to find out from the media, but, like, things happen really fast. And I, I, I heard, uh, apparently I I've been asking around, I think it's more normal now to hear from media or Twitter than to oh, hear really? from your team. That's like, that's the yeah. norm. And it sucks. Um, I think I heard your take last week and I think you're, you know, pretty on the head. It's like, it just materializes so quickly. And like, it's a, it's a really big thing to be looming over your head. And then if you don't get traded, it's like, well, how much, you know, do I mean to this team? So I don't know. I, I, I understand the optics were really bad. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of backlash, not only from the players, but across social media, people were like, what are the Mariners doing? But <laughs> I mean, like they got a lot younger. It's I, I just think it was a, a good move with really, really bad optics. Yeah. How was it in Chicago for the White Sox, you think, uh, at the deadline, Janice? Was it uh, was it just were there people saying we should have gotten more? Um, was it was, it, you know, they already had a pretty good bullpen, uh, but adding Kimbrel, I mean, that's not that's, you can't say that's bad. Um, is there any sort of talk about whether Kimbrel's there next year, too? Um, and like what, you know, if there was anything else that fell apart or there were other options that they were trying to pursue? Yeah, so to take a quick temperature of the fan base before the trade deadline, uh, no one was expecting the White Sox to really do much. Uh, mm. So I might have told uh, some people in a Twitter thread that, you know, if the White Sox did not make any moves, I wouldn't be surprised. I, I wouldn't be uh, surprised, but I would still be pretty disappointed. Right. Probably the move that I am perhaps the most underwhelmed with was actually the acquisition of Cesar Hernandez. Uh, oh. Second base has definitely kind of been a black hole uh, for the White Sox for quite some time, uh, both in the lineup as well, um, defensively too. So I felt as if uh, 
it was probably the best they could do. Uh, any trade that also comes just from within the division, I'm also just deeply uh, suspicious with too. Um, <laughs> but so far, it looks as if uh, Tony LaRusse is at least using him uh, in the most optimal way, uh, just mainly because he's been Cleveland's leadoff man all this time. And uh, batting second, uh, he before coming to the White Sox, he had a 562 OPS and 87 plate appearances. Uh, so, um, so yeah. Um, or wait, that's not right. But anyway, uh, anyway. <laughs> well, he has that. He's had that recent power surge, so I, I could see him fitting a little better second in the lineup or, or third even. But that's that's very true. And even just in the, the short tenure with the White Sox so far, uh, he's been uh, doing pretty well. Uh, so I feel as if uh, at least uh, on the uh, on defensive on the defensive uh, side, that's definitely an upgrade. Uh, but uh, with Kimbrel, though, I, I feel as if that was the trade that, that just knocked me just on my behind. I was not expecting that really to happen. Really surprising, all. I thought. Yeah. yeah, it was very surprising too. And the return also too, I, I felt was fair. So uh, Nick, Madrigal, uh, Nick Madrigal, Nick oh, Madrigal, and, right. and Cody Hoyer. Uh, where, so do you, Cody where do you sit on Madrigal? Isn't he like in Chicago? Either you think he's a total bum, or you think he's totally great. <laughs> Uh, I feel as if he's neither. I, oh, I, I feel as if he that's uh, probably is. Right. <laughs> <laughs> he has come through in some clutch situations. Uh, probably the big inside joke for quite a while was that uh, when will this guy ever hit a home run? And he ends up hitting two. Uh, so that, that, that was <laughs> something we were that all impressed. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So you kind of go with this recurring theme of all these like just lowered expectations here. But people uh, think he can't defend or base run, right? Like people think he's really bad at those things. Uh, and that's because he is. Uh, so. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't quite show in the numbers as badly, but uh... yeah, yeah. The eye test uh, certainly shows that. Yeah, he's gotten into a couple of toot blands uh, before his injury. Uh, yeah, defensively too. Uh, I, I certainly wasn't impressed by that. So uh, yeah, I, I felt as if that was a very fair trade. Uh, Cody Hoyer uh, has kind of had a, a a bit of a rough start to the 2021 season. Uh, 2020, he had some solid numbers too, but otherwise, uh, yeah, very satisfied with the Kimbrel trade. Yeah, yeah. I, I wonder if they'll they'll keep him around for to have to have that much money uh, down on your two relievers. It's like uh, 30, 34, 35 million. Uh, in your bullpen, uh, that would be kind of different. And not a lot of teams are doing that. But um, if you give up Madrigal, I kind of feel like you're you kind of into it. You kind of you want you want Kimbrel <laughs> for more than just this year. Uh, but uh, one thing that I'm looking at with the White Sox is, you know, I put them, you know, in the power rankings fifth or something. And I I don't know. I saw somewhere else. Oh, you had power rankings and you put them. Where'd you put them? <laughs> All right. First of all, that's Drew Silva making the rankings. Okay. Blame it on Drew. All right. <laughs> so, so, so my job is I, I basically am his straight man or straight woman. I, uh, I'm the one here just kind of, you know, grilling him for his decisions and life choices. Uh, yeah, so. which he deserves. <laughs> <laughs> which he absolutely deserves. Uh, so I, I've definitely embraced uh, that role. So, uh, yeah, just on the surface level, uh, they have lost seven out of their last 12, and that looks pretty bad. Uh, so the thing is, though, I do agree that with Drew that they should coast to the division title at least. And, and last where would you back, put them? Oh, I would put them, you know what? That's a great question. Um, I, I, would, I would probably just 
agree with you and maybe just rank them fifth, uh, just mainly because yeah, just that seems so weird. Like, what are their we- what are their weaknesses? <laughs> and we'll get into that definitely. Um, so, I mean, they've got a ninety nine point eight chance percent chance of making the playoffs, uh, right. but like. Also at the time, they also hadn't won two consecutive games in two weeks. Uh, So last night's win versus Kansas City was their first since then. So, uh, yeah, there's been some games lost via the sputtering offense. And I know, you know, you mentioned weaknesses, uh, but uh, yeah, there's definitely a lot less parity in the AL Central. Um, The White Sox have just been the strongest team in that division for a while now, and it's not even close. Uh, so, uh, like I mentioned before, in, in interdivision, intradivision trades, I'm deeply suspicious of. But uh, I know, I know, power rankings are super decisive, though. Uh, but hey, <laughs> yeah, they, yeah. you know what? Maybe the real power rankings were the friends we made along the way. So. Where are the mer- meritors on your power ranking, Michael? Oh man, I don't know. Uh, it's weird. Like the way that they win games is the opposite of how they win game or won games last year, or you know, didn't win games. Uh, it's their bullpen and, you know, I, I think it's somewhere around where they were before, but they can't keep winning one run games like they've been winning or like winning in the actual or something. It's, it's wild. Um, so I mean, I don't even know where they're at, but, but like middle of the road, they're pretty, <laughs> you know, a, a pretty middle of the road team. Where, uh, where do you see like what I think it's pretty, I guess it's fairly obvious, but like, you know, Maybe maybe you have a, a take on this. Like, what is their way forward? Like, I guess is it just you know J Rod like the young guys coming up and perform? It's offense, right? That's that's what they need most of all. Yeah, I think so. It's weird because it's like they're not out of the woods yet. Like, if their best, you know, if the the best performance that they're getting right now is is out of their bullpen, that's that's not great. Like. Things look pretty good right now, but they haven't really developed that many players yet. Like we're still kind of like we're far along into the process, but we're not seeing, you know, the fruits of of our labor yet. It's really like Gilbert and then hitting on like uh, Austin Nola and um, I'm blanking on someone else that we traded. But, you know, like uh, a couple older players, like it's not really guys like Kyle Lewis or Evan White. Like Kyle Lewis looks like a good player, but I think he looks more like a two or three one player than like the superstar that or star that they might have uh, envisioned when they traded for him. So um, I really, really trust the pitching development. I don't trust the hitting development so much. Um, so I think it's it's really going to come down to, you know, how they're hitting on their guys um, in the next year or so and how they supp- supplement and free agency. So um, I'm a really big fan of a lot of our um, and I say our because I'm a you know a Mariners fan. I know that people yeah, hate that's that. Fine. That's fine. Um, <laughs> but um, I'm a really big fan of guys like George Kirby. Um, not so high on guys like Emerson Hancock. Um, but yeah, I think it's going to come down to to the specs and you know um, end of the year here, Julio, Kelnick, whatever. Um, but I'm I'm still like pretty nervous. Like a lot of things still have to go right, um, and we still have to spend money, which I don't. I think it's going to happen, but I also don't really trust like i wouldn't bet my life on it <laughs> so um, all right I guess well you know that's kind of a vague answer but it's, it's there's the something really interesting there that i want to I, I think there's actually uh, something here uh, between the two teams that i find really interesting about player development uh 
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms or restrictions apply. Don't just ride the index. Seek to outperform it with Fidelity Active ETFs. Learn more at fidelity.com slash active ETFs. Before investing in any exchange-traded fund, you should consider its investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Contact Fidelity for a prospectus, an offering circular, or if available, a summary prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully. While active ETFs offer the potential to outperform an index, these products may more significantly trail an index as compared with passive ETFs. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC. And I, I think that when we all kind of talk about player development and try to think about player development, our biases come to the fore and we kind of uh, either like, you know, we like Kyle Bodie, we like driveline, we like this, we like that, you know, um, and we kind of uh, sort of faith cast a little bit. I, I don't know. I, I have a lot of respect for the pitching program. And what have they done? They kind of produced Logan Gilbert and we're, you know, we're waiting on the others. So we're kind of we're, we are having some faith there. Um, and as much as you kind of, I kind of agree that I, I don't know about their hitting of Jared didn't come up and hit that well. Um, and he was a high pick and was supposed to be, you know, like the best prospect baseball or whatever, or top three, um, you know, uh, and Evan white was such a, that that's, I don't know. There was like, they signed this big deal and he just really kind of fell apart. Um, uh, you know, the, the flip side is this in Chicago, uh, most of what I, the people I talk to are like, oh yeah, player development in Chicago is a real problem. Uh, the, the, the sort of minor league coaching, they're not in on da- tech and data. They don't know what they're doing. Uh, they're, 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 you know, pitchers have to go outside the organization. I'm sure you've heard that before, Janice, like with like Giolito had to go outside the organization mm-hmm. to get fixed and stuff. Um, but at the same time, just look at the freaking White Sox, you know, like, <laughs> like they're loaded. Like, mm-hmm. Elo- like, I mean, they just got all these players that are so good. So like, like, we're, is that like the players were just good and it didn't matter that their player development was bad? Or is our like idea of player development just sort of faith based in a way? Mm-hmm. Or, uh, or is there like equal parts scouting and, and, uh, and player development. And like, it's kind of hard to separate the two. So I don't know. I, anybody jump in. I don't, that's not really a question. <laughs> oh, I, I think the white Sox have realized, uh, yeah, computers suck. Uh, and yeah. technology in general is that's just the takeaway. horrible. <laughs> and, and I think is, yeah, the biggest takeaway here, but, uh, yeah, uh, I guess maybe the white Sox uh, potentially may be proof that not everything has to be super analytics driven. Uh, although I, I do know that they do have, uh, a couple of analytics coordinators now, uh, that report to Tony Larusa too. And I think uh, a lot of, uh, turnover in the coaching staff has certainly helped too. Uh, so on the Sox- major league, pitching coach is 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 tech mm-hmm. data friendly for sure mm-hmm. yeah yeah so i know ethan katz is certainly uh, i love how they were like well you fixed giolito come on baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah certainly and the proof is in the pudding there uh where right. the, yeah, the pitching staff has been absolutely phenomenal yeah they've been really good yeah any, any thoughts on the, on the mariners and, and player development further ones yeah i i have really kind of mixed feelings because um i don't know if you've seen but like i 
you know, I wrote about Chris Flexen and I was really excited about this curveball coming in and he hasn't even really used it as a get me over pitch. Um, it, like he hasn't, he hasn't used it a ton and he hasn't used it effectively. Um, I know that I've, I've talked to some guys um, in front offices elsewhere and they said that, you know, coming in um, his, his stuff graded out really well, which is kind of weird for me. Like he does have pretty decent fastball properties, but it's really straight. Like I think he gets one inch of arm side run um and like it's not like he has a really firm curveball like has a lot of drop but he throws it like 76 mm-hmm. um so there's guys like him and, and kikuchi who like to me uh, it seems so easy it's like just stop throwing that cutter so much throw your slider more throw it more out of the zone and i don't know if if some of the players are stubborn um or if it's a team thing because we know that they like uh, JT Chagua, he came in and uh, I saw, I think Shannon Dreyer was like, when did you you know that your slider was such a good weapon? And he's like, uh, I didn't. The Mariners sold me. Um, and so, then your boy, like, uh, I don't know how to say his name, actually. Paul Seawald. Seawald, that is how you say it? Okay. My I, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> um, I mean, I like. They changed his arm slot, right? They Yeah, they had, they had to have known you know, something was there. Um, I don't think you, you know, you take a, a, a 31 or 32 year old uh, guy that looks like Paul Seawald and just, you know, hope that he, uh, he, he can He's stick be it. Setup guy. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know if, I don't know if that was a him thing or, or, a, or a, Mar- a Mariners thing where they had him, you know, drop the arm slot, but uh, it does seem that he's really optimizing, um, you know, throwing the fastball up an arm side where, you know, he can get most of his whiffs uh, throwing the, the slider off the plate. Um, cause he's throwing the slider more now, but yeah, his, I mean, his vertical approach angle, I don't know where it was, uh, before this year, I'm sure I wrote it in the article and have just right. since forgotten, but it's the fifth best in MLB. It's right. he's legit. It's, 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 it's better than Josh Hader. It's better than Edwin Diaz and, and Freddie Peralta. Like it's legit. Um, it's an important is, skill to, to, I think to, to find relievers. I think you mm-hmm. see a lot of other teams. Uh, that struggle with bullpens, I think that that's a player development and major league coaching flaw there because Mm -hmm. that relievers are kind of what you need to be able to churn out to be good every year, you know, and you need to uh, turn failed starters into that and you need to find relievers on the waiver wire and kind Mm -hmm. of, I think that's a huge, huge skill. And I think it is a skill that both these teams have. Mm -hmm. Uh, Bummer. uh, I love bummer stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, I liked Hoyer stuff, but uh, you know, Maybe they just didn't have enough time. I think that that, that might have been it with Hoyer is just uh, there was a couple more adjustments that need to be made in the future or whatever. Uh, but uh, they seem to they seem to be decent. I mean, I thought the Colome deal was really dumb, honestly. Um, and then he mm-hmm. was he was really good for them. So um, you know, there's something uh, going on there that's that's good for the White Sox. But uh, um, you know, when I do look at the White Sox, like it's it's funny, it's a little bit easier. You look at the Mariners and you're like, what's going on at first base? And like, Ugh. is Dylan Moore a first line starter and stuff like that? But when I look at the White Sox, there's there's really much like one position that I'm like, uh, okay, once everyone's healthy, what's going on in right field? I knew you were going to talk about right field. Yeah. <laughs> so 
historically, right field has been just the huge Sisyphean task uh, for the White Sox front office. So the Nomar Mazzara experiment failed. Oh, boy. Uh, the Adam, the Adam Eaton, Eaton experiment failed. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we kind of all saw that one coming, though. Yeah. <laughs> myself included. Myself yeah. included. Yeah. Uh, as soon as I saw the deal made in December, I was like, what the heck are they doing? Uh, but, uh, yeah, when Luis Robert returns, the outfield is going to get mighty crowded. Uh, so, uh, to shore up the right field spot, I feel as if Adam Engel, uh, certainly deserves it. Um, I mean, yeah, he gets on base and he's having another interesting reverse split season, which is super like fascinating. So, I mean, in recent history, he hasn't been great against righties, uh, but he hits, he's hitting righties really well. Uh, he's, he's also uh, taking his pitches. Uh, he's got a good walk rate. 927 OPS against righties. Uh, so, yeah, that never was the case. But, yeah, uh, Woba, weighted runs created plus, walks, all better against righties. That's weird. So, so, I mean, that yeah. was the book on him, that he might be a short side platoon guy. There's also that he would never really tap into the power. And I think uh, that that seems to be wrong. I think he's hitting for power too, right? Yeah, he absolutely is. Uh, so uh, I feel as if uh, if the White Sox do decide to go the pl- pl- platoon o- option, uh, Gavin Sheets finally elected yeah. that again. Yeah, tell uh, me about him. Is he just one of these like misses a ton big boys that hits the ball out of the yard? Is that, is that <laughs> am I getting it right? So there's a long-standing joke that the White Sox have so many of these first ba- base DH power bats, <laughs> yeah, right. uh, and that's sort of true. Uh, so Gavin Sheets is certainly one of them. Uh, so of them. <laughs> in, in the short time he's been up, he's hit six homers and has an 807 OPS in 26 games. That's ridiculous. That's awesome. Was he hitting like 150 or something? I don't know what his batting average is, but I'm yeah, sure it's sorry, pretty low. Sorry, did I bring up batting average? <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. Never mind. <laughs> but, you know, if, if I was a betting person, I'd probably say it's pretty low. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, Andrew Vaughn's another one of them. Uh, he's been a decent def- defender in left field. Uh, he actually did start a game in right, which uh, the results were not great. But, uh, anyway, yeah, it's all experimentation and throwing stuff at the wall and seeing what sticks. The Mariners yeah. do the same thing with uh, infielders. They they love putting them in the outfield, and not even like ones that might work out, like you know Cattell Marte, like with the with the Diamondbacks did with him, or like Brad Miller in center field. Like they're putting like Shed Long in left field and trying to make it work. <laughs> and it's I'm so sick of seeing it. <laughs> when I when I see like an infielder uh, try in the outfield, there's one uh, disastrous one that I think of. Uh, it's it's a little bit old school now at this point, but Daniel Murphy. Um, they, oh, they, the Mets tried oh. him in left field uh, a few times because they played third. He played second. It seemed like yeah. maybe he could move around enough. Yeah. And it was just one of these like things where he's just like turning circles. <laughs> you know, like, every time the ball goes up, he's like, "Oh no, wrong shoulder!" You know, <laughs> just like mm. he's like some people just can't see the ball that way. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But balls uh, look pretty good. I, I mean. I hate to I hate to bring it up. There, there's all these this Tony the Russo stuff is just so interesting to me too. It's a little bit like the Mariners thing, and I hate to I don't want to sound establishment or come in and, and and have a bland ass like take, but like you know like <laughs> the Yermin Mercedes versus Andrew Vaughn stuff. Like yes, I think that there were some some sort of coded language there where Tony the Russo was saying some stuff that I don't I don't like the words he used. Because you talked about Vaughn being a grinder mm-hmm. and Yermin being um, really immature and, and like, and he just and it was just so weird at the time because Yermin is 
tearing the cover off the ball and Vaughn has like two homers. Um, but in some ways, I think what he was talking about, uh, like has borne out a little bit, like is was mm-hmm. Larusa a little bit right? Because like Vaughn has ground his way to being a really decent major leaguer. And it's real. Mm-hmm. It's like when you watch him, you're like, oh yeah, he is kind of a grinder. He doesn't swing <laughs> at anything. He's like always kind of thinking and he's going to, he's going to find a way to hit 18 or 22 homers or something and like, and be better than people thought and be a, like a league average major leaguer. And you're mean, they found a hole and you know, they exploited the heck out of it and he didn't really adjust back. And then the worst part is when you get a taste of the major leagues, you go back down and then you're just like, Oh, I talked to Chris Bassett about the, like yesterday actually, where it's like, it's just the worst feeling in the world. Because you mm-hmm. got the major league paycheck and you were going to major league cities and now you're headed to Modesto or Raleigh or and I'm not talking sorry Raleigh people or sorry Modesto <laughs> people. I love I, I I went to a great bar in Modesto and I went to camp in Raleigh, whatever. But what I'm saying is as a as like a, a guy who was in the major leagues, it's definitely not the major leagues. And so mm-hmm. you kind of feel uh just really so I, I feel I kind of I just I don't I don't again I don't have a question and I'm sorry, but like it's like <laughs> Uh, it's one of those things where, like, I see, I, I think that the when we're in the media, like, or on Twitter, we like, we have these like really one-sided views of things. But then when you when things play out, you're like, oh man, all these things are true. Tony Larusa used some coded language, but you're mean, like, you know, didn't react well to to some adversity. But he also that's like the worst situation to be in to be sent back down and be looked over after you had some success. And Vaughn is a grinder, but yeah, he's white, but it's like, (laughs) it's like, I just think it's, it's super complicated. I think maybe uh, the only thing to take away is like, maybe Tony watch, like kind of think about your words, know what, what these coded words are. I don't know. I don't know if you, what sort of perspective you have on that, Janice. I think both can be true. I I think Tony, like you said, uh, was right about Vaughn uh, being a grinder. And yeah, um, it definitely shows. Uh, He's been doing especially well uh, lately. Uh, The dude can just mash, simply put. Mm -hmm. Uh, You're mean on the other hand. Yeah, it was exposed that he was having problems with hitting velocity and hitting breaking pitches. And uh, pitchers exploited that. Uh, So... Uh, yeah, he was sent down, uh, which rightfully so. Mm-hmm. But of course, like as members of the media, uh, as fans, uh, the optics weren't great. Uh, so on surface level, yeah, he's using all this coded language. He's just describing your mean as just being this uh, immature uh, player that has so much to work on. And I'm like, yeah, he's right. But certainly he could have phrased things a little bit more uh a little more carefully than he did. Well, and to like not, not only like not support him, but be like, oh. yeah, if they throw at him, like it's that was that's, just that's, awful. Yeah, like <laughs> it's just how, awful. How do you do that with any player? Like it shouldn't, you know, oh. it's, yeah, it's your player. That was so. puzzling. Uh, just the hang, hanging him out to dry, and mm-hmm. then a lot of the public comments too. Uh, I believe like he made some public comments about uh, Lance Lynn as well, and. Yeah. Like, like, like since then it, it's been quiet. So I'm hoping that maybe, you know, the White Sox PR folks maybe pulled him aside and said, Hey, Tony, look, I don't know, man, this, this is, this, this ties into the, like Tony Russo has a long career of winning and, and, and being good at his job uh, for the most part, but also of picking favorites 
mm-hmm. uh, blasting players in the media. Uh, and, uh, and so it's kind of amazing to me. I think there's a stat out there that he's managed in 2.5% of all the baseball <laughs> games that have ever been played. That's so <laughs> wild. <laughs> yeah. That's... Well, who, who was it that, uh, that called him out in the nineties? Uh, it I was, believe... it was a player of color that, that, uh, said that he plays favorites and, and I think then oh, he's been he's... going, it's been going. Yeah. Back really I think Ron, then Ron he... the floor and him had like a really big falling out in the eighties. I mean, yeah. There's been there's been some run-ins. There was the whole like he the, the kneeling thing he didn't like, and he kind of used mm-hmm. some some problematic ways to describe that. So I don't know. I I think it, I think the Chicago is kind of fascinating that way. Where like I think there's another universe where this went totally differently. Mm-hmm. You know, where like maybe the injuries were in a different order, or Rodone doesn't break out. You know, yeah. maybe cease. <sighs> Maybe cease kind of <laughs> maybe cease regresses or I don't know. And then it like it could have all kind of just you know started tumbling in a different direction. Mm-hmm. He could so like, on, on Earth too, uh Jimmy yeah. Cordero doesn't get uh yeah, his, his forearm strain and he ends up just <laughs> like garnering all the saves instead of Liam Hendricks and <laughs> yeah. and Tony Ruth is fired two months in the season. <laughs> um, I mean I went on record saying that I thought that Cease was kind of cooked. Like I, I thought he needed to do like the Corbin Burns thing, where like he needed to to throw a sinker because, um, I mean he's he's completely stopped cutting his fastball at this point, right? I know it was a big problem in 2019, less of a problem 2020. I I, I haven't looked to he see. Definitely how much improved his command. I mean, what I've yeah. heard is that he's staying back a little bit. I don't know. It's yeah. It seems like a cat's miracle to me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, command has definitely improved uh, for Cease. Uh, so uh, yeah, he's he's definitely been the recipient of some uh, of some luck. I do know that last year a big talking point was that uh, his FIP was twice the size of his ERA. Uh, yeah. And so yeah, one big problem with Cease is that he also gets to three two counts a lot. And sometimes the count fun to watch. Sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> and sometimes it works to his favor, and other times it does not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's long games with. I mean, it is nasty. Like the curveball and the slider are nasty, and the fastball when it's ninety eight at the top of the zone looks pretty nasty. And so if you'd like, just make like a. I'm gonna say a moving image here because nobody likes the way I say that word. Um, oh, what do no. you say? Do you say Jeff? Yeah. Oh, oh God. I used to. I said it in my my pictureless interview, and Nick got mad at me <laughs> in the interview. Yeah, so I changed it. I've been saying "gif" ever since. Oh God! So anyway, if you made a moving image of Cease, you'd think he was one of the best pitchers on the planet. Um, yeah. You know, because when he looks good, he looks amazing. Uh, but uh, you know, one that. there is one thing in that in that um, rotation that is interesting to me, which is that you know I've got these stuff numbers. Michael Kopech is like through the roof uh, in stuff. And of course, when you, when you pitch more innings stuff, numbers regress because your velocity goes down. And so you had to be stretched out. There's a relationship between, you know, how many innings you pitch and, and, and your stuff, but Kopech's stuff numbers are so good that if, if he pitched three or four innings, he'd still be some of the best stuff in the, in the majors. Like, what do you do with Kopech? You just uh, want him for that one inning or, like, what if, like, uh, uh, Lynn only goes three or four in a playoff game? Or, or like, what if you wanted Kopech for two or three innings? Could you do that right now? I, 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 what, do you, what, do you, what would you do with Kopech, Janice? Uh, I would definitely stretch him out. 
Uh, so yes, I, I would certainly uh, get on that, especially if he's going to be a member of the rotation uh, next year. So uh, looking at his innings, yeah. yeah, he's at 41. Uh, so that's not a lot right now. Most yeah. of his appearances have been an inning or less. Uh, so he's been he, he's being used right now in short high leverage spots. So I feel as if, yeah, he could probably be a playoff weapon and move into the rotation for 2022, but he needs innings right now. He needs like <laughs> spot starts. Uh, he definitely needs to go uh, more than one inning. So uh, yeah, if, if he is going to be used as a, as a starter, uh, yeah, the time to stretch him out would be ASAP. Does yeah, he, it's uh, getting it's getting does, late early he, on that one. Does he have an uh, injury history? He does. <laughs> yes, yeah. he does. Okay. I, I I I don't know. I mean, the last time Tommy John, like Tommy John, and then it was a long recovery. I think from Tommy John too, where yeah. like there was some setbacks, or no, he just pieced out of twenty twenty. Yes, yeah. he might have been able to come back, mm-hmm. and then that was either personal stuff or he mm-hmm. just didn't want to take part. He might have missed a fair amount of it anyway. I mean, he he doesn't lose velo after I'm looking at it right now. Like after two innings, I don't I don't know about like three because he hasn't done that that much. But I I wonder if you almost I think it's a little bit risky. But I wonder if you throw him in like that 2016 2017 like Chris Davinsky, uh role before he kind of fell off, like where he's going multiple innings. Um, why I asked about the injury history is because it's it's kind of murky. Like I I think. You don't want to do that too long. Like if you give yeah. a guy 80 innings two two years in a row, yeah. like the outcomes are pretty bad. So right, like but, Chris but, but is right too. Like yeah, Tavinsky himself. Uh, yeah. Or oh, who's the guy that uh, the the Yankees pitcher everyone talks about? That uh, Chad Green. No, the guy that that, that got ruined by a Tony uh, by. Um, oh, anyway. Um, so the, the, the thing though, about a, a Kopech that's interesting is that like, I mean, Keiko is fine, mm-hmm. right. But in a postseason game, I feel like if Keiko puts a runner on, he's out for me, <laughs> you know, like, I feel like, or two, you know, especially if he doesn't get the ground ball to erase the guy, you know, like, Do you I, like a piggyback. Yeah. I just wouldn't trust Keiko. Uh, and then Giolito's kind of got like this sort of hair up his nose thing where some games he's just not good, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and uh, and like you can maybe count on Lynn and Rodon. They look like that this year. But like you could see a game three situation where you you start someone you're like two innings and you're like, crap, I wish I had someone that mm-hmm. could blow them away for two or three innings. And instead, you could uh, you could maybe piecemeal at Kopech one inning, you know, all these guys. But it might be really nice. And the the, the problem, I think, also is that who do you tell to sit right now? I mean, maybe maybe you're just sort of hoping that uh, Giolito or Keiko or somebody just needs a blow and, like, you know, you, you can get Kopech like a two or three inning spot start somewhere. But it's just it, it, it's like one of those things where there's such it's such a good team that mm-hmm. it's not obvious where you put Kopech, where you stretch him out, how you do it. Um, unless you unless you make it a, a thing that you think about in any opportunity you can, where somebody's out early for some reason or another, Kopech here, we're going to give it to you for two or three innings now. But they just um, don't seem to be doing that. So I don't know. I, I find that kind of interesting. Yeah. And also, too, it's just it's just always good to have more good pitchers on staff. I know that uh, some some of the early, I guess, bite backs to acquiring uh, Craig Kimbrell was that, why do we need another closer? And I was like, maybe having two good closers is a good thing. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you could get a guy to go six, 
to go Kopech Hendricks Kimbrel or oh. you know I mean God yeah Mercy. good luck good night <laughs> yeah and they're gonna be a division winner it looks like so I mean everything looks everything looks pretty good in there and now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream Direct TV satellite free you see this a family watching baseball on Direct TV with no satellite dish in sight let's heckle them you call that changing the channel choke up on the remote buddy I hope getting all these games on Direct TV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds Direct TV has the most MLB games call 1-800-DIRECT-TV claim based on total games carried on sports networks sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package terms or restrictions apply Ever try to break a bad habit and feel like you're climbing Everest in flip-flops? We've all been there. But here's a breath of fresh air. Fume. It's not about giving up. It's about switching up. Fume takes your habit and simply makes it better, healthier, and a whole lot more enjoyable. Fume is an innovative, award-winning flavored air device that does just that. Instead of vapor, Fume uses flavored air. Instead of electronics, Fume is completely natural. And instead of harmful chemicals, Fume uses delicious flavors. You get it. Instead of bad, Fume is good. It's a habit you're free to enjoy and makes replacing your bad habit easy. Start the year off right with the good habit by going to tryfume.com barrels, getting the journey pack today. Fume is giving listeners of the show 10% off when they use our code barrels to help make starting the good habit that much easier. Start the good habit at trifume.com slash barrels to save 10% off the journey pack today. All right. Uh, you know, one of the things that uh, that doesn't make any sense to me is you say Kikuchi. Um, and I, I watch him and I'm like, he's good. I think mm-hmm. he's a good pitcher. Then I look at my numbers and it says he has the worst command in baseball among starting pitchers. And sometimes you watch him and he gives up seven runs. You're like, yeah, 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 I get it. Um, But I've also talked to coaches of his and they're like, well, he just totally changed his arsenal. You know, Mm -hmm. I think that maybe that was, maybe this is a a one season blip with the command numbers, but the command numbers are also not good this year. So, uh, and also his arsenal keeps changing, right? Like you've been Mm -hmm. writing about, or or I think we've been tweeting about this with the cutter usage. Uh, what, What do you think Kikuchi is? fascinating um he's i mean i think he's the greatest example of someone who's who's not pitching to his strengths um like i i said earlier i i think it's it can be as simple as taking uh the cutter and and throwing it less because he throws it more than his forcing fastball and i think some of that is because of his command and um I remember he's when he kind came of over... reaching back to throw that four seam as hard as he can, mm-hmm. right? And so he, it's kind of scatter shot, right? But even when he was throwing, you know, 91, 92, whatever, like a couple years ago, his command wasn't great. Um, I remember when he came over, I mean, you know, first of all, his command was supposed to be like 45 grade ish. Um, but I remember seeing, I don't, I was starting to dabble with like baseball savant queries back then, and uh, I, I noticed that his like called strike percentage. Um, you know, on pitches in the zone, taking pitches in the zone was really low. And so I kind of just chalked it up to either, you know, uh, he'll regress towards the mean or maybe it's his his catchers because he didn't have good catchers back then. But he's had guys like Austin Nolan, Tom Murphy catching him and his numbers haven't gotten better. Um, and not only that, but he throws 83% cutters and three ball count. So I think, A, it's like 
you're super predictable. Predictability. Yeah. yeah but let B, like, I, I think it's because he can't command his command fastball very well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I, I ran the numbers again and he, um, in 2020 for called strike percentage on, on takes in the zone. Uh, he ranks 120th out of 124 at 85.2%. Uh, and his fastball ranks 74th out of 102. So I, I think it has to do with missing his spots. You know, uh, it's hard to, to frame pitches that are missing by, uh, you know, a couple feet. So I don't know. I, I don't know what his command plus is at right now. I think it's probably like 78 or something like that. I, pretty I, bad. I find that hard to believe. I don't, I don't think he's like a Jose Alvarado esque, yeah. you know, command guy. Um, he's not the Nelson Lamette. Like, he's not like, yeah. He's not like mean, a power guy that just has no idea. I don't know. It's a. It could be wrong. Yeah, but wrong. Uh, I think if if he can get you know the command plus to like the low nineties, where Lamet and um, Darvish whatever are, I yeah. think he has the stuff to to kind of blow by people. I think it just has to do with um, really optimizing his location and and the pitches that he's throwing. So he has some work to do, but like. The talent's just so obviously there, and it's it's super frustrating to watch him pitch because I, every start you'll find me tweeting like, "Throw your slider, stop throwing the the cutter, stop throwing the slider in the zone." It's so simple to me, but maybe it's an arm slot thing, and he just can't command some of his pitches in certain areas. I think it'd be interesting. I think he could be uh, a candidate for like a real break breakout in in his third year. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, in his third year with this new stuff, I feel like this, you know, he's had these, this for two years, he's had this higher velocity and this new pitch mix. I feel like a third year, just really getting comfortable with where he can miss, where he can put things. Um, I I could see him kind of breaking out a little bit. And we talked about Dylan Cease a little bit, but it's a little bit like Dylan Cease. I think he's just finding, he's, he's, he's finding out where he can miss, like where he can kind of safely live where he can miss. Um, and also a little bit like glass now where I, I see him just sort of concentrating on the middle of the zone and like letting his movement kind of go from there. Um, and not trying to like hit spots and just be like, I'm going to, I'm just kind of going high or low in the zone. Uh, but th- I saw this weird split that cease has like a six ERA away from away from home ERA from, away from home. And then it's like a two, three or something at home. And then last night he throws another gem at home. Do people talk about this? Like, do does anybody care? Like, do we I, need to like pretend we're home when he's on the road? Like, does he, does he need to take like a stuffy? Look, I got a stuffy back there. Does he need my stuffy? Yeah, something like yeah, security blanket or something, yeah. or maybe just like so some ambient noise that's like, yeah. like Chicago traffic or something. I, I, I don't know. Maybe he's partying. He's a young guy. I, I don't know. Um, so I, I did take a look at uh, the game logs, and it's actually three starts that seemed to have inflate those numbers up. Ah, so, there you go. Uh, so he did give up a season high as a six earned runs in Minnesota, Cleveland, mm. and Houston. I don't know if uh, ne- not necessarily party okay, towns. Houston's really Houston. good. Yeah, it's not really party uh, town. It, I, I don't know. It's probably one of those just random splits that just doesn't mean much because I mean Houston's a really good team. Minnesota can mash, you know. I was looking at one's a little surprising. (laughs) I was looking at a couple of his, you know, just like his pitch characteristics home and and on the road. And like, they're pretty similar. His usage is pretty similar. Uh, I noticed two things. One, uh, he's also really bad when, or not really bad, but not as good uh, when he's pitching with non Grandal, you know, catchers. 
Um, that was my other point that, so Sebi Zavala, uh, mm -hmm. whom I would love to talk about, uh, mm -hmm. he's been catching for a consecutive four games now. Uh, so last Saturday he and hit mashing. He, yeah. He's, he's mashing too. <laughs> uh, so, uh, he might as well just be the new backup catcher. Uh, uh. but yeah, uh, he's been known uh, for his good game calling, uh, not necessarily his bat. So we're, we're definitely mm -hmm. seeing like a complete 180 where <laughs> we, we have this fantastic defensive catcher and someone who can't hit, but of course we were definitely w willing to give him the concession and being like, okay, so I mean, if he works well with our pitching staff, um, all right, whatever, that's a hole in the lineup, but we can address that <laughs> later on. Uh. And now he's mashing. So now we're getting the best of both worlds. So, I mean, if, if this lineup was dangerous to begin with, it's just uh, gotten even more but, frightening. But framing wise, like, I guess Grandal is kind of, you know, almost goat level. Like he's one of the best framers. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. Do you know much about Zavala? Is it Zavala? Zavala. Zavala. Yeah. What a no. name. I love it. Right? <laughs> uh, obviously there to trip me up. Uh, but uh, do we know if he's a good framer or maybe that's, or maybe, maybe that's some of it because, you know, Cease doesn't have the great command. So maybe Grandal would steal him some strikes that, that Savala is not necessarily stealing him. I don't know. Uh, just even given last night, uh, it seems as if, uh, yeah, uh, he, I haven't taken a look at any of the numbers, but mm -hmm. it seems as if his framing game was on point. Uh, but from what I've seen, a uh, pitching staff loves working with him. Uh, so mm. That's testament right there. Well, what's your key for the for the White Sox then? What, uh, what I mean, it is weird. I, I'm surprised that they lost uh, so many games recently. And uh, you know, I, I I try to watch uh, every team, but uh, you know, there's, there's 30 of them. You know? So so what do, what do you get from watching them more often than I do? That uh, that uh, they need to sort of right ship to, to you know going into the playoffs. Yeah, just even watching some of the games in which they've lost, uh, it's definitely kind of a feast or famine situation uh, mm -hmm. with the offense. And uh, the team just see it somehow finds themselves in these like really weird, mysterious, like line wide, lineup wide slumps. So I don't know if maybe like, I don't know, we need to burn some sage or something. Mm -hmm. But like, like last week, Mike Miner just carved through the lineup. So like, 20 swings and misses. It was a ridiculous performance. Um, and I mean, the White Sox uh, typically, hit lefties pretty well uh, that mm -hmm. was definitely the case last year but that's uh, kind of dropped off in in 2021 uh but yeah part of the reason why uh, tim anderson has historically hit lefties well and he goes through a, a handful of tough stretches sometimes i think Eloy jimenez also being out of the lineup has contributed to that too uh, but otherwise uh this is a lineup full of amazing hitters um, I believe it's only Leori Garcia and Billy Hamilton have uh, weighted runs created plus numbers below 100. Uh, so well, they should they shouldn't play. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, so yeah, anytime I see Leori in the lineup, I'm just like, why? Uh, yeah. But anyway, uh, when this team is good, they're just blazing hot. And, and but, when the team yeah. is healthy, they won't play either. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it is. It, I was I was expecting maybe to see more strikeouts. They are about dead even uh, for the league for strikeouts, and I think. I think you're right that some like Eloy coming back should, I think, help that. He's like right around league average. He's probably going to replace somebody that's striking out more often than he is. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And and I just I just don't see this as a team that um, I don't know like the who's who strikes out the most here. Uh, the Rays, Ooh. the Rays strike out a ton, and I think you will see them struggle to score runs uh, in 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 any given series where. 
uh, they're striking out a ton. So I just don't see that as being as much of a problem for the White Sox. Uh, give me, give me something on the Mariners uh, down the stretch. What uh, I guess they just need to keep the magic going, or what? Uh, how do you, how do you feel about uh, what they're gonna, what they need to do uh, the at the end of the season? Yeah, I refuse to lose. Um, I think it's it's really uh, about a lot of the kids, um, uh, which is feels weird saying I'm I'm like I turn 27 next month. I'm not I'm not that old, but uh, <laughs> you know, uh, Kelnick, like I said earlier, he um, he looked really bad. Like, there's uh, no doubt about it. He looked. Awful. What was the swing change? What did, what did um, you change? So he um, was in this little like crouchy. Uh, kind of position uh, going into this year in spring training where he had this little rock that he did. Um, and someone kind of posited that uh, after seeing a lot of, uh, you know, like uh, low vertical approach angle guys, flat vertical approach angle guys that uh, he did something to adjust to get uh, pitches up in the zone. And um, I saw that Kelnick said that he, you know, his like eye level was just kind of off on on like breaking pitches. Uh, but he switched back to his uh, 2019 and I think 2020 um, stance where it was it's a lot more upright. There's a lot more motion in his hands. And I think it helps his his swing rhythm a lot and his timing. Um I mean, not only that, but like he said, like his his eye level when he's making contact. So I think he's not only seeing the ball better, but I think his, he's timing the ball better too. And since his his swing change, he's he's been uh, he's been walking more. He's been striking out less. Obviously, we're we're playing with a like a, a week or yeah. yeah. But um, I I think it's something to to look into. Yancey uh, Eaton was razzing me because he was saying. Like we're go- we're going on a weak sample, but uh, yeah. he made it, you know, in game, and and it's something that he's had success with. So um, I think if he I, catches fire, it could be kind of what they're mm-hmm. missing. You know, that just they needed one more bat. Yeah. So it's it's him. It's Toro. It's it's Ty France, and it's uh, seeing if if Tyler Anderson can can give him something. So um, yeah, I think it's it's really just you know put up or shut up now. Uh, and lastly, I didn't have this on the rundown, and I apologize for that. I don't want to. Um, surprise you guys with anything, but I, I, uh, I'm interested. Uh, I'm going to just leave this open there as a kind of an open-ended question and you can take with it. I just know that, uh, Michael has left a uh, picture lift re- re- recently, um, and made some comments. So I just, uh, uh, wondered, um, if y'all had ed- advice, uh, for the industry, uh, on, um, uh, inclusion efforts and, uh, just things that the industry can do better, uh, things that you've encountered, uh, things you'd like to see, um, and, uh, you know, I don't need you to kind of explain the whole picture list thing if you don't mm-hmm. want to, but, uh, I just wanted to leave that as a, as a sort of open-ended question. If, if y'all had any thoughts, I know, uh, I kind of surprised you with that one, but, no, um, yeah, I, mean, uh, Janice, I, I got some thoughts. <laughs> yeah, but, I, uh, I sure chance does too. <laughs> uh, just to give you guys a little bit of time to collect it, uh, you know, some of the stuff that we've been doing behind the scenes with, uh, you know, X fast has been trying to do kind of a. Uh, a mentor thing. So I've got my Vic, my mentor, Victor Actinola, uh, through, uh, through oh, him, I'm Victor. working with him. Um, and, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I don't really have the answers. I know that it's, uh, just a really white male, uh, dominated, uh, space, um, and, uh, and sport. Um, and, uh, so, you know, it's just, uh, it's just something that's on my mind. 
Yeah, that's, I think that's honestly a lot of the issue is that um, it itself is just, you know, a really um, homogeneous, you know, sample of people. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's a lot of things that we could be doing better. And I guess, uh, I guess at this point it's y'all. Cause I, I, I don't know, I probably won't play in any in industry leagues next year. I, I think I'll continue a couple things like worth. Um, I think you're in one of the RF leagues too. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, I mean, when I wrote that, um, that medium post probably in like February, March, I essentially was calling for a little bit of accountability where, um, a lot of these things that I've been um, doing are in response to certain things. So I think at the time it was when Smata uh, got into, you know, kind of a tiff uh, within the industry. And, and you know, I don't think he went about it in the best way, but I think he had a lot of valid points. Um, and so in the article, I just said, you know, like, if, if we're not going to be better, I'm like, I'll leave it to y'all to figure out. Um, and one of the things, like I got a lot of feedback and I was excited because I was like, yeah, we're going to like, we're going to make some changes. It's going to be cool. Um, one of the things I think would be cool is that at all the sites having, you know, fan graphs, the athletic, um, CBS, whatever, having, you know, demographics to see, you know, like these are our demographics and these are embarrassing. Um, so having that public, I think would be, um, helpful in terms of accountability. Um, I think some sort of mentorship program. I know that, um, Jen Mac Ramos and, um, Shakia Taylor, they're doing something with IBWAA where they're doing their own mentorship thing. I know Alex, like you said, is, is kind of leading the charge with the, our promising. I think it's really hard with the mentor thing because it's, it's hard to, and I say this as someone who has probably half a dozen uh, to keep in contact because it's it's for the writers really hard uh, to be motivated. And for the the mentors, it's hard to keep in contact with them. I think there needs to be more um, accountability there um, <clears throat> in terms of, you know, how we're maintaining those relationships. I think there need to be more um, actual structures in place. And so, um, I did leave PitcherList, and that has more to do with me just not really feeling comfortable in fantasy spaces anymore. And and it doesn't have anything to do with Nick Pollock or Alex Fast, because as far as I'm concerned, uh, they're two of my favorite people I've ever met. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it just has to do more to do with just even being in the Discord, you know, um, I don't. I don't always want to talk about fantasy sports and, and the, the, the angle that people take is, is really gross sometimes. Um, again, I won't name I names. The Trevor Bauer situation. Was yeah. Just, like this course uh, was kind of gross. Right. Um, and I think that's so common. And I think that a lot of the discourse is, is just on like in any scenario, really gross. The, the verbiage that we use and, and people, you know, we'll call us uh, social justice warriors. But I mean, uh, I don't know if you saw, but I think that the the reaction to like me making that tournament like a month ago or whatever, and the backlash I got for that, where people were like trying to cancel me and, and calling me reverse racist, which is not a thing, people. Mm-hmm. Um, when you compare that to... Um, I mean, I know I've seen you call people out uh, on on Twitter, which I think is a good thing. I think that people need to be held accountable, and and I think that 
people kind of hide behind their platforms and hide behind their friends. And it's just kind of a, a white boys club. And um, there's, there's something there that, that is fundamentally a problem though, which is that uh, there's some money in the industry, but there's also not a lot of money in the industry. So there's, a, mm -hmm. there's, uh, you know, I, 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 I'm here because of my family structure. Like mm -hmm. I, 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 like, this is the truth. Like, uh, I went full time um, because uh, I could live rent free. You know, right? That yeah. is just a that is just a truth that's not there for a lot of people. And mm -hmm. I don't I don't know how to solve that because it's not like I can just pay a bunch of writers to mm -hmm. write for other sites or mm -hmm. you know what I mean or like. And I can't convince the athletic to pay more people. And then there's this whole thing like you have to have a following mm -hmm. to get the good job. <laughs> And to get a following means sometimes, you know, I did, I did put in my time, like coming home from work and like having that extra job. Like I definitely did a lot of that, but there was that moment where I was like, okay, I'm going to go out there and I have about, you know, two or $3,000 coming in next year, mm -hmm. you know, because I'm going to write for Bloomberg and I'm going to write for Fangraphs and I'm going to write for this. And I've got, maybe, maybe I got $2,000 this year. There's just not a lot of non-white you know, people yeah. with a lot of, with, you know, that, that have like families that are going to float them for this year where they're like, Oh, you're going to only make 2000 a year. That's fine. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. We're, we're here for you. <laughs> you know? like, yeah. So a lot of it is systemic, but um, I mean, I'm continuing to do work behind the scenes with picture lists and, and kind of their DEI uh, diversity equality. And I'm and glad to see your, your sticker efforts. lookout landing. Yeah. Um, I mean, I can't, I can't stop writing about baseball. Um, and and maybe I find my way back into the space, but for right now it's just it it feels so gross, so yucky. Um, so it was it was it was those things. It was seeing, um, I mean, the way that the the fantasy baseball industry or community and in, in quotes I'll say uh, attacked like Jarrett Seidler at um, at Baseball Prospectus after he called out that person for talking, you know, the gross discourse about Bauer and 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 talking about um, you know the the fantasy ramifications of Trevor Bauer. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I really think the issue, um, is that a lot of these spaces need to be decolonized and I don't use that word like loosely. I, I think they're, they're rooted in, this is a, a really like, like big word, but they're rooted in, in whiteness and white supremacy, like at the end of the day, because if you're coming from a white framework, um, it's just, you know, inherently true. And, and those are some of those systemic things that you're talking about. So it's a super, super difficult issue. And I think um, it takes a lot more people than, than me and, and a couple others to figure out. Um, not, not to say that I'm the only person doing the work, mm -hmm. um, but man, it's just, it's so tiring because it seems like every couple of weeks, there's something that's kind of beaten uh, me down. And that's kind of why I, I took a step back because it's, um, it's really tiring to do the work, especially when I'm doing it for free. I'm a poor grad student. That's what I'm so, saying. I know? mean, that's a big part of it. We we are not letting Janice speak, though. I want to make sure that Janice yeah, 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 Janice, go. Yeah, sorry. Oh, oh, yeah. No worries. No, M Mikey, you are like really just like like you're you're spitting, as the kids would say. <laughs> uh, but yeah, just to 
talk briefly about my own fantasy experiences. I, I played in an industry league for the first time this year. Uh, and while everyone I participated with was super supportive and just made me feel welcome, uh, generally, uh, I just felt so incredibly overloaded. And so, you know, you were talking about uh, just how, uh, yeah, uh, not everyone can just afford to freelance write for an, an extended period of time uh, and, uh, yeah, say, have that support surrounding them. So uh, I actually just started uh, working full time again. I, I, I tried. I, I tried to do the freelance thing for about three to four months. Uh, so mm -hmm. I had to take a good hard look at myself and just say, all right, this is not sustainable. Um, mm -hmm. A handful of things aren't working. So, uh, yeah, I, I certainly just kind of had to uh, put myself back into corporate America uh, just in order to survive. Uh, but at the same time, though, uh, and I think about this a lot, too, uh, there, there have been many, many times where I'm interacting with folks on Twitter or just in the comments of my article. And I've thought about quitting, actually. Yeah. I, I, I've thought about just, you know, just stepping away and disappearing because I've had some people just say some really off the wall, nasty things to me. And I'm just thinking like, I could absolutely just end this all by deactivating my account and disappearing off the face of the earth. Uh, but of course, too, the reason why I'm still here is because the reason why I was reluctant to even start writing about baseball and fantasy in the first place was that no one looked like me. I didn't think, you know, what I had to say uh, had a time and place. Uh, I, I thought that uh, what I had to say wasn't necessarily important, nor did it add to uh, the discourse. Uh, so, yeah, I I'm still around just mainly because uh, it probably pisses some people off. Oh, absolutely. Like spite is the greatest motivator. Uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, uh, yeah, the j j j just the more... Um, the more people tell me to kill myself or whatever, just just, just the more yeah. the more I'm gonna write. Th th that's just how it works. <laughs> but, um, but anyway, uh, yeah, kind of what what Mikey was saying. A lot of these spaces are yeah very populated heavily by by white males, mm -hmm. and uh, yeah, there definitely needs to be more accountability brought into the situation, uh, and also too just checking in and just like being mindful of the language that we're using. I think mm -hmm. even too uh, NBC is uh, making some good strides towards that. Um, I think like my first week, uh, my. Uh, my boss, uh, DJ Short, was like, uh, do not use fantasy owners as a term. Uh, that That's just weird. And I'm like, I, I agree. That is totally weird. And he's it's like, hard sometimes to talk about it. Like, I, I try to be like own shares. But like, yeah, yeah, definitely don't say like I own that player. <laughs> yeah, that, that that's weird. And yeah. And so just like, imagine okay. saying it to the person. You know what? I think this could be a thing that we could do. Yeah. Just imagine saying the thing you were about to say to the person's face. Right. Imagine saying it to their person's <laughs> face. Imagine write like if you're writing about a, a, a player. Imagine them reading it. You know, I try to that's do that. Been kind of a reality for me. That yeah. that changed the way I wrote oh, yeah. because I was like, my God, what if Tommy Pham saw that I wrote about owning him? My God, yeah. he would yeah. he would rip me a new one, and he'd be right. You yeah, know, that's... and what if what if I was actually if I told Janice to her face <laughs> these things that I'm about to write down. Oh, God.
Yeah, I, I feel as if the whole veil of the internet has just created mm -hmm. uh, just this entire like, like monster of, of yeah, just like these this big mass of turds. <laughs> just enabled to be as awful as they want to be, just mainly because, hey, their their name isn't tied to anything. Uh, but wow. on the other hand, like mine <laughs> is, like, like this is my real ass name here. And so... Right. I mean, it's not yeah. like necessarily I can fire back, just mainly because that just makes me look bad. Uh, oh, but my God. then they grab <laughs> some little part of it and, and mm -hmm. turn it into something, or or they, oh, I got you. Oh. Yeah, that's what that's what like that's what I've told people is is uh, someone tweeted like I just I I didn't think that what blank writer did was necessarily wrong. Like I still have him in a couple leagues. I don't mind talking about it. So he was like people tell me like I'm willing to have a dialogue about it. So I, I slid into his DMs and, and what I said was like, imagine that you explained uh, to your mom or your sister or your, you know, your partner that you were um, <laughs> discussing the fantasy ramifications of someone who uh, did these things. Like, yeah. yeah. Like was an like did awful, awful things. And, and most women are going to say, that's why would you, why? And you normalize it and you, and you, you yeah. Plus like, like most of us don't have any extra information about this. Yeah. So what am I going to tell you, dude? Right. Just think about it. Yeah. And so I, I think that's kind of where I think some people need to be called out more. Um, there needs to be more accountability on some level because like I had people, I had people saying nasty things in my DMs a month ago. I had people calling me mentally disabled. I had people saying awful things. And there were two people going to bat for maybe three people going to bat for me. One was a pictureless writer. One was someone I'd never met. Another person was an, another person I'd never met. So it was really honestly hurtful. And I know not everyone saw it because Mike Ginella, I was on a podcast. He was like, I don't even know what you're talking about. Um, but it, it, it made me honestly sad to see that like none of my colleagues and like people that like I see at like per first pitch Arizona and I'm like, yo, what's up? Like no one was in on um, like had my back and was like calling these people out. So um, I felt very, you know, on that night I felt very alone for many hours and like literally dozens of people were, were calling for my head. Um, so yeah, it's, oh, it's such a bummer. Yeah. It's, yeah. I mean, it is what it is. And, and, the thing that I did making the, the tournament, I, I knew what I was getting myself into. It was uh, not the greatest decision, but it, it was uh, disappointing nonetheless. Well, accountability is interesting. I mean, that's sort of what we're talking about here is like if you said the thing to the person's face, you would have accountability from that mm -hmm. person getting a reaction to you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Maybe and it's, slapping you upside the head. But... <laughs> yeah, and it's like accountability. It's not cancel culture. So like it's it's saying this person who seems to be a good person and like has a, a wife and kids that he is very nice to, I'm sure, uh, he did something that was wrong. And like that doesn't mean that he's a bad person, that we need to cancel him. It's that... Uh, we need to tell him. Let's talk about bad. what the wrong thing is. Let's let's talk about what the wrong thing was. Yeah, like it. You can separate it from the person. Let's talk about why it's wrong to talk about Trevor Bauer's situation like that because we're normalizing it. And let's talk about that instead of getting to this big. Well, I like him. Mm -hmm. Oh, I like that dude. And you shouldn't <laughs> say that. No, I'm not yeah. saying that I hate that dude. I'm saying I just don't like that tweet. I don't like yeah. what it does. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so that's where I think like, you know, some restorative justice, transformative justice could be just 
so helpful, but it's just obviously not something that people care about, honestly, um, in these spaces. And so I think over time, I've just realized that the, the type of people that are in these leagues with me, they, they, they don't actually care enough. They just care about, and I'm making a big blanket statement, but they care mostly about making themselves feel good about being a good person and, and that they're, you know, not doing bad things. So they rationalize it to themselves. And uh, I think that's one of the root issues that you can't really change without making really significant changes. So I, unfortunately, I'm not super optimistic about the fantasy baseball landscape, but I, I am a little more about um, baseball writing. So I, it, it's just, it's embarrassing to me that I, I can count the amount of trans writers that I know on one hand and I can't think of one indigenous writer. Like it's, it's a huge problem. And, and it's, even though we talk about it a lot, it's not talked about enough. Well, uh, it's been a pleasure uh, talking to you to bo you both. I hope that uh, we can hang out in person sometime. Um, you are up in Seattle or Portland? Yeah, yeah. Seattle, yeah. Mm -hmm. and you're in Chicago, Janice. Uh, I'm I'm in Evanston, so just a suburb directly north of Chicago. Sweet. Uh, travel seems to be a thing. I I traveled to to Denver and got into a scooter accident. So oh, wow. uh, I guess this is a thing that we're You're on doing your now. your Colette thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I had a little Colette in my head right before the scooter accident, saying, oh, no. "You know, this is too far to go on a scooter." And Jason Colette would tell you to get off of the scooter and call yeah. Lyft right now. Uh, oh, but unfortunately, man. I didn't listen to him. But that's hard. Yeah. <laughs> but hopefully, we'll uh, see each other uh, in uh, a, a cool, inclusive place someplace uh soon and uh thanks for thanks for coming on yeah thanks for having us yeah thanks for including the the end conversation as well yes, yeah i appreciate that thanks a lot guys uh that wrap, that's a wrap for us here at uh rates and barrels i'm sorry i'm not the regular host i forget what davy r says i think he says <laughs> Uh, subscribe to The Athletic uh, for, I think there's a 50% off deal right now uh, where you can get uh, all of our writing. Um, and then, uh, I, oh, then I say, uh, thanks for listening. <laughs>